All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Real quick before we get started, night of worship, 24-hour prayer. We talked about it last week. So night of worship starts Friday night, 7 o'clock, 24-hour prayer follows that. So again, uh, if you haven't signed up for the 24-hour prayer, it's in the back. And I guess maybe to clarify, we're not asking you to pray for 24 hours. We're asking you to come in for a one-hour time slot and be able to come and to be able to pray for, uh, uh, during those 24 hours for one hour during that time. So we're hoping that we get more people to sign up. They're in the back. You can sign up afterwards. And again, never been to a night of worship. You need to come. It's a great opportunity to come together to worship, an opportunity to just let God do whatever he wants to do inside of you. Um, again, for people that have come in the past, a lot of what people have said is like, wow, it's just, it's not like Sunday morning, but it's just different in a way that God moves in different ways that night. So make sure you come, make sure you try that out. All right, so we're in a new series, right? Spiritual Warfare. And again, I want to make sure that we understand the concept. So for the next five, six, seven weeks, however many weeks it takes us to get through that, we're going to try to open your eyes maybe to something that has either been confusing to you, right? Like people have talked about it, but you don't necessarily understand it. You've experienced it, but you don't know necessarily how to fight back. Or you've been a part of it, you've experienced it, you've learned to fight the battle, but you haven't learned how to teach it to other people. Right, so that's the idea of this whole idea of spiritual warfare. How do we teach it in a way that you can understand it? So we'll be breaking it down again over the next few weeks uh, and helping you understand that. So we gotta start with this. What's the war over, right? Because if you don't know what the war is fought for, I think sometimes you miss the point on, again, how to fight back. I think you missed the point on the urgency of whether or not you should be engaged in the war. And so we have to remember that the war is fought over one thing, the souls of mankind. That's what the war is over, right? Because you have to remember that the one thing that Satan can affect until the time that Jesus comes back is the souls of people and where they're going, right? Like that's what he can do. So Satan, until Jesus comes back, can have an effect on where you're spending eternity. And not only where you're spending eternity, where your family's spending eternity, where the people that you love are spending eternity. So really important for us to understand, if that's the war, how do we get engaged and what should we be aware of and what's important to us? So in that, you have to know the biggest fight, and I think this is a misconception with people. Like when we talk about Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you know, a lot of you guys think, or I don't know if you think this, I think a lot of people think this, he's coming to just make my life terrible, right? He wants to destroy, you know, my marriage. He wants to destroy my children. He wants to take away my finances. He wants to make me sick. He wants to give me cancer. Here's what I want you to understand, and I think you know this, right? If you look at when people come to know Jesus, is it in the good times or the bad times? Okay, so I want you to think through this for a second. You have to remember that maybe Satan's greatest tool is to not make you sick and take your money and destroy your marriage, but to keep you busy and distracted, right? Like, I want you to hear that because I don't think you think of Satan. Like, I think every time that your finances are good and every time that your kids are good and every time life is good, we're like, God, I'm so thankful for just blessing me, right? 
And then all of a sudden you get busy and you get distracted and you don't think, you don't see Satan in any of that. The only time you see Satan is, oh my gosh, now something happened to me. God, where are you in all of this? And how is, you know, Satan's coming after me. I'm like, dude, listen, if Satan could keep you distracted for the rest of your life, he would do it. Because anytime hardship comes in to your life, you, you at that point get to a place where you stop. And you know this if you've had it happen, right? Like you're gone and you're gone and you're gone and, you know, life is happening and, and it's okay. But, you know, when life is interrupted, you tend to think differently. Anybody? Right? Like when your life gets interrupted or something happens, all of a sudden you view things differently than you did before. So I think Satan is about lack of interruptions, keep you busy, keep you on track, get you down the road. Because here's what we know. And we talked about this this whole last six weeks. God gave you a mission that you're gonna be held accountable for. That mission is to reach, teach, and send people. And if he can keep you distracted, how much reaching, teaching, and sending are we doing? Honestly, right? If he can keep you busy, if he can keep you distracted, if he can keep you going in this way that, you know, at, at the end of the day, you get so busy that you forget that your mission on this earth isn't to create a, a lasting life that's comfortable, but to reach people. Because here's what you're going to know, right? And I've shared this with people before. Is I always use this view for people. It's like they're, they're going and they're going down life and things are going really good and they're staying really busy and then all of a sudden something wakes them up, right? Something wakes them up and they're like, oh man, I need to get on mission, right? I need to do something with my own life. I need to do something with my kids. And what happens is I always give people this, this analogy. It's like, up on the top of the hills where God wants you to be because it all belongs to him, but you've kind of forgot that you have authority over all of this earth and over Satan, and you've let him have some ground in your marriage, and you've let him have some ground in your kids, and you let him have some ground in your schools, and you let him have some ground in the people around you. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, I'm no longer going to let him have ground anymore. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back, and I'm going to take it back. And all of a sudden life gets uncomfortable, Right? Because now what Satan realizes is, is you're out of this, what he's created as a false reality, and now all of a sudden you're on mission. So he went away from keeping you distracted to now he's going to keep you or he's going to attack you in ways to get you off the hill. Right? When you go and take back what he has for you, he's going to do everything he can to say, just get back down to the back, bottom of the hill where you were distracted and comfortable. Because you know what most Christians find on the top of the hill when they start taking ground? Opposition. Right? Why opposition? Because Satan knows the one thing that he can affect when you wake up is to make you ineffective again, and you're ineffective at the bottom of the mountain being selfish. True? Right? So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to focus on what are four things that Satan doesn't want you to know about the war, right? So there's four things about this idea of spiritual warfare that I think, as Christian people, you might have heard it, but I don't know that we completely understand it, right? So here's the first one, which I think is obvious, right? The war is real. <laughs> so if you didn't know, you have an enemy, Satan, who is on this earth with his demons, has an agenda till the time that Jesus Christ comes back. That agenda is to make you ineffective, not be on mission, and the most souls that he can take with him to hell, he's going to do. Right? There is a war. It is real. In fact, in Ephesians, one that everybody reads when it comes to spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, here's what he says. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12. And if you have a Bible or if you're in there, I want you to underline this because this is really important, all of verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he gives you this picture There is a battle, it is real. He tells you where the battle is happening, so he gives you some instructions. That's where, if you're reading inside of your Bible or you're on your phone, when he gives you instructions like that, and anytime you see a therefore, I always tell people this, if you're studying your Bible, anywhere there's a therefore, you circle it. Because when you're going back and you're leafing through your Bible and you see a circle of therefore, you know what it's telling you to do? Do something about what you know now. So now that you know that there is a battle, now that you know that there's something going on, therefore he tells you this, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your, guard, stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, right? So he wants you to be able to know that there's, again, a war. He wants you to know where it's fought and he wants you to know that you need to do something about it. Now, here's one of the, the things that I think we miss and it's the reason that I want you to Go back to verse 12 and understand this. It says, the war is fought where? For the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual authorities, the powers. The battle is fought in the heavenly realms. The victory is fought in the heavenly realms, right? This is what he's trying to give you a picture of. But you know what Satan does? is he teaches you to fight in the physical. This is what he wants, right? Because here's Satan's greatest tool. If you fight the battle in the physical realm, you lose in the spiritual realm, right? You lose in the spiritual realm. And here's what I want you to see. You see, Satan knows that he is the enemy, but you know what he can do inside of the physical realm? He can teach you that your wife is the enemy. He can teach you that your husband is the enemy. He can teach you that the people around you are the enemy. And he can get you to fight in the physical. Anybody with me here? Right? What he's trying to do is get you distracted and think the enemy of my life is my coworker. The enemy of my life is my husband. The enemy of my life is my parents. The enemy of my life is, and he gets you to fight inside of this physical realm because he knows exactly what will happen if you fight in the physical. Okay, listen to me. This is really important because he knows this about the way that we react. react. If you fight in the physical, okay? So if you go down this road and you create an enemy inside of the physical realm, when he says, when I talk about you lose in the spiritual realm, here's what I want you to see. You know what happens right after you fight? Like, think about this for a second. Automatically, you go into a mode of isolation. Anybody? Right, when you have this fight, you know, again, whether it looks like you go in a room or whether it's a place of isolation in your mind, when you have this thing go on, all of a sudden, things that swirl around up in your head, when you're around people and you're not fighting, all of a sudden are swirling around in your head in isolation. Anybody experience this, right? As soon as you have conflict with somebody, all of a sudden, conflict opens up isolation, and in isolation, this is what I want you to hear, In isolation is where Satan can lie and do his greatest work. Because, you know, he can't get it done around other people. 
When you're in relationship with other people, when Satan starts to lie, it's easy. Like we're in a good relationship and you just go to somebody, you know what, I'm feeling this way. And they're like, why are you feeling this way? Like this is what's true. And you're like, they're like, oh, you're right, it's true. But you know what, when you're fighting, are you going to go back and talk to anybody about that? Some of you must never argue because you're kind of just looking like... I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, this happens, right? Like, when you get in conflict in any realm, you go to this place, whether, again, whether you're in the room or not in the room by yourself, you go to a place where your mind is now open up to lies that you could never be told before about your husband, about your wife, about your coworker, about the people around you, right? Like, this happens. And you know what the crazy thing is, and this is what I want us to see, because I, I worry about this, and now we live in a world. So 20 years ago, isolationism was not accepted. Like when people were by themselves, people were like, what's going on? Why is everybody, why are they alone? Why did they retreat? Why did they do? Do you know we live in a world of accepted isolationism now? Do you know we live in a world that we don't really care that our kids spend all their time in their room by themselves? Right? I mean, it's somewhat normal now for you to go and to disconnect and to be by yourself. We wouldn't know as parents that there's anything wrong because we think it's awesome. They're not in my hair. Anybody that's raised kids that are like, thank the Lord they're not in the kitchen, right? Or thank the Lord I can watch my own TV show instead of them flipping through stuff. Like, they, we're all right with them being alone. And, they're all, and we're all right with their phone telling them all kinds of lies because they think they're in relationship and they think things are going on and they're like going through and all of a sudden they've created this false reality where Satan can really lie to them because nobody's there to tell them different because nobody on social media is lying to you. <clears throat> True? Right? Like anything can be said and anything can... Now, here's the thing though. So in isolation is where the lies start. But do you know where the destruction happens? It doesn't happen in the lies because in the lie period, you still have a chance to make a difference and seek out something, right? So when you're isolated and the lies start, you still have a chance before you act because we realize that the lies are started to lead to an action. Anybody? Does that make sense? So you get these lies because he wants to lead you into sin, right? He wants to lead you into a place where you'll do it. And here's what he does, right? So when he does it, he starts to lie to you. And what, where the, the break happens is when division in relationship happens. You see this? So isolation with lies, but then the destruction happens when all of a sudden your relationship, because, you know, lies could happen in isolation, but you could still go back to your husband and say, you know what, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm hearing, and these are the lies that maybe Satan is telling me, help me clear up the lies. Or inside of your job, you ever have this happen before? There's conflict inside of your job, and then all of a sudden these things start to happen. You could go back to the person that you have a problem with and say, you know what, this is what I'm hearing, this is what I'm feeling, I need to know what's true, right? And you could clear up the lies, right? You could do that coming out of isolation, right? But it's not necessarily what people do, do they? They seek out people who will agree with them. Right? Like when you're mad, you're not finding anybody to talk sense into you. You're finding somebody to agree. You're finding somebody that's going to be like, you're right, you're right. You have every justification, all that you do. This is so good. Give me a little more, right? Because you knew that that person was drama, and you're like, I'm seeking that person out. Like, I love it. 
because they can feed into what's going on inside of me and they can take those lies and you know what happens? They take those lies and you put them inside of a destructive relationship and you get division and when division happens, Satan wins. Listen to me. The fabric of what Satan is trying to destroy is the family and the division of family and the downfall of family. And when he can get you to go like this, anybody? What happens? Right? He knows that if he can divide that, he knows, we know this inside of the church, right? You know the greatest thing that Paul talked about inside of the church was the problem? You know what it was? Division. They weren't unified. You know why they weren't unified? Because they forgot their mission. What is there to argue about when you're in the war? Who has to argue about stupid things? The church, because they're not doing anything. Right? Like you get, you get going and things happen and all of a sudden division happens and we're like, dude, what are we arguing about? The souls of mankind are at stake and we're gonna argue about what? And I know this seems simple, but I'm kind of a simple person, right? Like, I don't get those things. Like, the one thing that I've always said about Life Church, I'm not going to sit around and argue about stupid things. If you want to argue about stupid things, there's other churches that argue about it, and they have fun, right? You can even go to a meeting, and inside of these meetings, they argue about them, right? And they love it. Like, it's a whole thing. They have committees to argue, right? That's not what we're doing, right? Like, we're going to go down the road, and we're going to say, this is our mission, and we're going to talk openly, like, we're not saying we're not wrong. We're not saying we haven't made mistakes. But you know how that gets fixed? Come to the person that you have the problem with. That's in everything, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your kids, whether it's relationship, because we have to remember, right? We got to understand, like, this is what he wants us to do, right? Isolate, let him tell lies, find somebody to agree with us, right? And then division happens. When division happens, destruction happens now. To all of you people out there that are the person somebody comes to, so you thought you were gonna get away with this, right? You thought oh, it's all on the person. So you know that you're that person that everybody can call? Anybody out there, right? You're that person that when problems happen, you're the person to call, you have a huge responsibility to not pour on gas, but to speak truth. Because you're the guy somebody's coming to. You know what your responsibility is? When they come to you and complain about that other person, you know what you should do? I'll give you some advice. Tell them to go talk to the person they have a problem with and not you. Anybody, right? Like, I'm just telling you, this is what happens inside of, and this isn't just any, this is everywhere, right? Like, this is everywhere. Like, we don't want to have, nobody really likes conflict that much. You know, nobody likes to go down those roads, but I'm telling you, our responsibility is like, I'll listen to you. Hear me out. I'm going to listen to you. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be like, there's where you need to go. Like, I can't fix this problem. You know where I'm first going to tell you to go? Go to Jesus because he's the answer and then go back to the person. Because that's the only place that you're going to be able to find truth. Right? Now, we've got to go clear back to the beginning, right, to understand how this works, right? So if we understand how he's, he's working and he wants to tell us lies, he wants to get us isolated, and he wants us to be able to have division, he wants us to be able to sin, like that's this war and we know that it's real. But to understand how he gets it done for the rest of the spiritual warfare series to make sense, go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So you can go back and you can read it on your own. But here's what you need to understand. The war that Satan was fighting with Adam and Eve 
was not a war of power, but a war of permission. Does that make sense? So when he went there, he didn't force Adam and Eve to eat from the apple, right? What did he do? Started to create doubt, started to create, like, let their minds run, and this is kind of off the subject, but if, if Adam just would have stepped in and said, this is the truth, right, instead of letting the Eve by herself isolated in her mind, all of a sudden she made sense of why it made sense to eat the apple, right? Like all this stuff is happening inside. And he knew that if he could, like he didn't grab them and say, hold them in a headlock and push the apple in their mouth. It got him to the point where they accepted that sin was okay. You now gave authority over to Satan that he never had before. Tracking with this? Right? When you give permission, you give authority. Right? So when you allow these things to happen, you know, you go clear back to the beginning of like isolation and then division. What you're doing is, I want you to understand this and you're going to see it later. When you entertain those things, you're giving Satan permission to be in your marriage. And permission to be in your relationship. And permission to be in your kids and permission to be in those places. When you allow those things to happen, it's an act of permission to say, Satan, here you go, you can have them. Go ahead, you can have my wife because I don't want to fix the problems. Go ahead, you can have my husband because I don't want to fix it. Right, I'm not saying this is a perfect world. You can't just fix everything, but you know my point is, right? Like this is the way he wants it to go and by us not doing anything about it and going back to the place we need to be, sometimes it's like this is all we can do, Right? That's what I want you to understand. I want you to see now. Understand this, that when Satan tricks them, he tricks them into what? Not trusting God. And as soon as Adam and Eve, this is so important. So if you didn't hear any of the beginning and it was all dumb, remember this, okay? Once she finally ate of the apple, something changed in the world. God had authority over all of the world when there was no sin. When sin entered the world, who now gets authority? Who now is the ruler of the world after Adam and Eve sin? Satan. Anybody? So now authority was given to Satan to be the ruler of the world, and that's so important because if you don't understand that, you'll never understand the cross. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you don't understand that Satan had authority during that time, when we talk about the cross, you actually miss the point of what the cross was really for, right? And this is the second part of it. This is the thing that he doesn't want you to know. Jesus has won the victory, right? So in all of the spiritual warfare that we're talking about and all the things that are happening, because I know for a lot of you guys out there, when you think of the spiritual warfare, you've been living in it and you feel defeated, You've been in it, and the things around you seem to be not going the way you need it, and you feel defeated, and you keep fighting, but we need to remember that Jesus has won the victory. Now, here's the thing that we see. You know what? The victory at the cross that we're all aware of is Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could all be forgiven. Victory. Right? But you know what the other thing that we miss? It's not just about his death on the cross. You know what happened, too, when he rose from the dead? He took back the authority. Are we good? Because this is big. So I just want to make sure we stop for a second because Satan had the authority. Jesus now, because he rose from the dead, took back the keys that Satan had to this earth. And you know where he gave them? To you. 
You know who has authority on this earth right now? Jesus Christ through you. Satan has no authority in your life ever. Right? Do you see how that connection? Because if you don't get this, you get forgiveness and then you get existence. Does that make sense? I'm forgiven and I just got to make it through till I get to the end of my life and then I'm going to go to heaven and that's all I care about is existing so I can make it to heaven. And I'm saying, dude, you've missed it. Heaven's coming because of the blood of Jesus. Authority is to change the world. You've been given something by the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives you the ability to overcome Satan. He can't win. That's why, you know, when it says inside of the Bible, when you claim Jesus Christ's name, when you say it, Satan has to flee. You know why you're not claiming Jesus? Because you think you have no authority. You know why you're getting caught up in the drama and the isolationism and the gossip and all the things is because you forgot who has authority. You've given authority back over to Satan in your life and in the lives of other people by the actions. You just gave him back the keys. Go ahead, do whatever you want to do. Right? We have to understand we've been given authority to overcome. And we know that in Satan's schemes, he wants us to be isolated and he wants us to divide. So you know why you should fight back? You better find some people. You better find some, you better know that the, the, the tool of Satan's first thing is to get you isolated and alone. The first thing is, right, he's gonna get you to figure out who the enemy is. So today, here's what I want you to know. If you think somebody around you is the enemy, it's a lie. They're not the enemy. The real enemy is the one who brought those thoughts into your mind. And the next thing that you need to do is you need to find somebody that's gonna speak truth into your life and not somebody that keeps pouring gas on the fire and flaming it and sitting around talking about it because it just gets worse, right? And we need to understand that and you need to get back to the place to understand things have changed now in this world. Satan has no authority in this world and he has no authority in your life. Jesus Christ has won the victory, right? And we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Here's how he emphasizes it. Colossians 2, right? 6 through 15. Paul's trying to get people to understand this. Here's what he says. So then just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the element of spiritual forces of this world, rather on Christ. Like, again, getting you to, he knows where Satan wants to start. It's inside of your mind, and he wants to lie, and he wants to get these things, you know, going inside of you to get you to go down a road. And then he says in verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you've been uh, brought to fullness, He is the head over every power and every authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. So obviously, in the Old Testament time, there was circumcision that they actually did physically. In New Testament time, circumcision means your life has changed. There was an act that happened inside of your life that you were this way, and now you are that way, right? That's what he's saying in the circumcision. Your whole self ruled by flesh, because this is what you were before, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith 
in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Forgiveness, right? When you were dead in your sins and in your uh, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave your sins, right? So here's the one part of the cross. He forgave your sins. Having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it all away by nailing it to the cross. Here's the other part, the part that we miss. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know how he's disarmed the powers and authorities? Because he took back the authority. Satan has no power unless you give him permission to have it. Unless you allow those things to happen inside life, you give permission for those things to happen, he has no authority over those things in your life, right? So we need to remember that the, the victory on the cross was not only forgiveness, but it also was giving you the ability to have authority on this earth. Back to, you remember the mission we talk about all the time? Matthew 28, 16, 19. Sit through 19. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go back to circle it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can be on mission, not just because you're saved, but because now you have authority of Jesus Christ living inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Right, And we need to remember those things because remember when you try to take back ground that Satan has falsely told you is his and you start to take that back, your authority, Christ's authority is gonna be challenged in your life because you are automatically gonna feel defeated. Right? When you go down those roads, you're gonna automatically feel defeated and you're gonna have to come back to this. Here's the other thing. In this war, there is no neutral. So anybody that thought well, I'm just, you know, I'm just coming to church. I mean, I'm not really doing that much. Satan's not going to attack me, you know. Like, I'm just going to come here, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to work on myself, but I'm not going to really work on anybody else. I don't have to worry about it. It's only the people that are like the, you know, the on-fire Christian people. So as long as I just stay somewhere in the middle, I'm okay, right? There is no neutral. And here's what I want you to understand. In that, you are either on one team or the other. There is no place in the middle. You either are on Satan's team, promoting his agenda, right? And I say this to the church all the time, and all the messages I've done 18 years, I remind the church of this. Because our inability to get beyond ourselves we've caused a difficulty for an outside world to see a loving Jesus because we don't love each other. Anybody, right? Like, it's been a difficult go because of what happens inside of the church sometimes for people from the outside world to look at this and to say, wow, that's really something I want, right? Because it's not a picture of the things that they've been able to see. But again, in this, you have to understand you either are furthering his agenda or God's agenda. There is no neutral. And so if you're like, well, I'm just kind of been, kind of been off mission. No, you haven't been off mission. You've been on mission for the wrong team. And you don't want to hear that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you sitting around doing nothing is something. You not engaging in the battle is something. 
You sitting around waiting for other people to do the work of the mission is something. You're fighting for the wrong team. You're in the wrong battle. You sitting around watching it all go by, thinking somebody else is gonna do the work of the mission, you're just a, you're a part of his team, letting it happen by being or thinking that there is a neutral. Listen, Ephesians 2, one through three helps us understand this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, and we used to live in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of this air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. So I wanna talk about something real quick. It's one of my fears, maybe it shouldn't be, but I wanna make sure that I make it aware. People who grow, inside, grow up inside of a Christian culture or a Christian home think that they are Christian just because they grew up inside of a Christian home. You are going to hell unless you're born again. I don't care what you grew up in, and I don't care how much you've went to church, and I don't care how faithful your parents are. Please hear me say this, because I've heard this all the time from people. I grew up in a Christian home, and I've just kind of always known Jesus. No, at some point in your life, you have to make a decision to be born again, because you were a child of wrath, and you have to become a child of God. Not everybody's a child of God because you grew up in a home where everybody talked about Jesus. So kids or parents, don't assume that your kids are okay just because you're okay or just because they come to church. They haven't made a decision for Jesus. They are, what scripture says, a follower of Satan, right? We have to make sure, don't let that lie happen. Not everybody's gone, not all good people go, not everybody's children of God. You become a child of God when you make a decision for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay? So don't let, don't let that lie happen. Don't go down those roads and let him lie to you in that way because again, you know, we have to understand in this neutral when you grow up with this assumption of like, I'm just okay, you're not on mission, right? If you haven't made those decisions, you're not gonna be able to live on mission for him. So we gotta make sure that we understand that. We have to also make sure that in this, right, that you understand this. Let's read it one more time. Uh, verse two, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of this kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now in work in all of those who are disobedient. Here's what I want you to understand. Being neutral or divisive is disobedient. That hit home with anybody, right? Doing nothing is disobedience. Who's at work in those doing nothing? You can say it because it might be you. Might be me at times, right? Like when you want to sit on the sidelines, just rest for a while, just so you know, the work of disobedience comes from Satan, right? And we can't just be like, you know, we're just going down these roads and it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal, right? If you're being disobedient by not doing anything, if you're being disobedient by living a lifestyle of sin and not giving a crap about it, it's disobedience. You know who's at work inside of you? You know who's at work around you? Satan. Right? He makes sure that we understand that because he doesn't want you to believe that there is a neutral. Here's the last one. Victory is granted to all those who stand firm. Okay? So the worship team's gonna come back up. I wanna give you this. Romans 8, one through two. 
Because after hearing all this, this is sometimes like, you need to hear this. You need to understand the victory part of it. Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you're feeling condemned today, that is not from Jesus Christ. If you're feeling condemned, it's Satan. You know why? Why? Because you know what happens sometimes when you feel condemned? Then you go back to be isolated. And you know why you're isolated? Because you don't feel worthy. And I'm not good enough. And I don't know enough. And I'm not. It's exactly where he wants you to be. So keep believing him. If you keep believing him, you're going to isolate yourself. You're going to fall into this place where you're going to be alone. I'm not good enough. Why don't you join the club? None of us are good enough. Right? And anybody that points to you and says you're not good enough, they're Satan. Because you know where condemnation comes from? Not godly people. And not from God. It comes from Satan. So the condemnation, right, if you're feeling that today, you need to get rid of that. You need to understand. You know why you can say that you're set free? Because you have authority. You're set free by the authority of Jesus Christ. Will you sin? Yes. Will you have problems in your life? Yes. Will you backslide? Yes. But at the end of the day, the only way that Satan wins is when you backslide into neutral doing nothing. Part of that awareness that he's trying to, make, trying to get you to do is he knows that if he can keep making you feel condemned, I've heard this from people, I don't even feel like I can go to church. I don't even feel like I can be a part of a team and I don't feel like I can and I don't feel like I'm like, dude. <laughs> you realize where that's coming from, right? When that feeling of condemnation comes, you should jump in more. Surround yourself with people. Get into it more. Allow God to show you that you are a child of God. Set free from the authorities of this world because Jesus Christ is now living inside of you. Right? You've got to get that because there's victory in those. Because listen, if you're going to be in this long term, you've got to fight ahead of you. If you're going to be down this road long term, you got to. It's not what people preach. It's not all roses and it's not all comfort and it's not all easy. And I'm telling you, life isn't going to make sense. It's not. To this day, I live inside of a world that doesn't make sense to me. There's only one thing that makes sense to me in this world I want to be on mission and I will not be stopped by Satan. And I will not allow him to isolate me, to speak lies to me, to find myself in division. I want to be in a place, I want to be on his team. I want to be on God's team, doing everything we can to move forward with the mission of God. Don't let him have any ground. Don't let him have ground, because it's by your permission. Doesn't mean that he's not going to fight. Doesn't mean that it's not coming. But when that stuff starts to happen and it starts to move you off center, it's because we gave him permission to get to that place. Take back, listen to me. Guys, take back your marriage. Fight for your wife. Fight for your husband. Fight for your kids. That's what he wants. Fight for the things that rightfully belong to you. Kids, take back your schools. You know, we look at it we're like everything's going to hell. I know. 
Take it back. Take back your community. Take back your relationships. Do something because he wants to use you. Now I'm going to give you four quick things, right? Here's just four quick things. What can you do? Shoot back. If you're in a war, shoot back. Stop putting your head in the sand. Get in the game. Shoot back, right? The other thing you need to do is you need to take cover, right? You need to not only understand that this war is real, but you have a refuge. And you know where that refuge is? Jesus, right? So when, when the, the, the attacks come, you know where you need to go? To the one who can give you refuge. Like people are good, but you understand this, they're not Jesus. They're just not. People are great to talk to, but they're not Jesus Christ. Go to a refuge, shoot back. You know how you shoot back? Know your Bible. The Bible is to bring clarity to the lies that Satan's trying to bring in your life. Know your scripture. Be able to fight back with what that scripture is. The other thing is organize with others. If you're not in a community of people right now, two things. If you don't have a person that you can go to when those lies start to happen, you need to find somebody that'll speak truth even if you don't like it. That's the person you're gonna go to when it all starts to go south, that person. And then you know what else? You better be in community. If you don't find community, if you're not in a small group, if you aren't being mentored by people, if you aren't regularly meeting in a circle of people that know you, you will find yourself isolated, you will find yourself lied to, and you will find yourself going down the wrong road. You need community. And I don't know what that looks like, but I always tell families, here's a goal for you. Get your kids around a table once in a while where you can talk to them, where you can see them, where you can be with them. Don't just make it passing by when I sit around a table and I'm gonna know how you are, right? Maybe just sit around, have intentional conversations, small groups, check in on each other. It's not all about spiritual knowledge. You can go to a big, small group and you can learn all you want about the Bible, but if you don't know the person, you've lost the whole mission. Check in on people. Know that in this world today, there are people isolated and hurt and hurting and need you to reach out and do something about it. Be God's workers. Organize around people and then advance on the enemy. Take back what is rightfully yours. All right. So in this, we're gonna take an opportunity to take communion. So here's what I want us to do. So we know that when we take communion together to church, it's to remember Jesus Christ's death on the cross. The blood that was shed for you, right? Body broken for you. And in this time of reflection, this is what he tells us to do. When you take communion, you should have a time of reflection. And in this time of reflection, you should be brought up, things should be brought up inside of you. Ask God, where is it that I'm giving the enemy ground that I need to take back? Where is it that I'm not claiming my authority? Where is it that I'm allowing Satan to get in where he should never be in? Where are those places? And we're gonna take that, so we'll have a time of reflection, and then Corinne will open up the communion tables and we can take communion together. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, and, and we know that as a uh, people that sometimes we feel defeated and as an organization, sometimes we feel defeated. And in a marriage, sometimes we feel defeated. But today, Lord, we claim victory and understanding that the war is real, but it has been won. And we want to claim that victory today. 
Lord, I pray in our time of reflection that you'll bring awareness to the things that need to change, the things that need to be different. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.